Welcome to the Sunday session on NRL.com, our first Sunday, uh, our first footy-free Sunday uh, for a very long time. We've got two cracking games to talk about. My name is Chris Kelly. I'm joined, as always, by Kenny Scott. Kenny, thank you for being here. CK, what an honour it is to be here because, wowee, what a weekend of football it was. And uh, very happy to welcome to the Sunday session, NRL.com newsman Dan Walsh. Dan, uh, thank you for being here. Thanks, CK. Thanks for having us. Let's talk some footy. Uh, we'll go through uh, the Saturday night game and then the Friday night game. Um, Kenny, I'll start with you. Panthers v Eels, eight points to six. Absolute just edge of your seat, throbbing, pulsating, heart racing, desperation for 80 minutes. Um, I thought it was probably the game of the year. It's certainly in the top few. What did you make of it? Game of the year, I reckon that's an understatement. It was probably like game of the decade, game of the last two years at least. Like it was, I, I've not seen a game like this in such a long time. It was phenomenal every single every single like movement of the ball every single event was um like breathtaking i was gasping like audibly gasping whenever like anyone made a half break or like those last like five to ten minutes were just edge of the seat stuff i couldn't believe what i was watching unbelievably heartbreaking game for the the paramount of faithful but man geez it was just it was beautiful to watch i as, as a as a neutral it was probably the best game i've seen yeah i'm gonna give it the last five years Every single moment that turned the game was just such high stakes, whether it was an error, a penalty, a six again. There were so many try-saving plays, try-saving tackles, some epic defence. Walsh, what did you take out of this one? Uh, But my uh, first take is that you, a died-in-the-wall, long-suffering Parramatta fan, can call that game uh, one of the greats, even though you're on the wrong end of it. Uh, I think that just says how good it is. CK, Penny, for your thoughts on some of the calls in terms of, uh, you know, play being stopped to treat injuries, a lot of 50-50 line ball stuff. Yeah, how did you see some of them? Yeah, I mean, I I really, really, really don't want to go down the refs faulting path. I thought there were probably some some rough decisions for the Eels, certainly uh, the trainer being able to hold up play because, you know, Mitch Kenny's hurt his ankle 30 metres behind the play with the Eels on the attack. I think that's something that needs to be look at. I'm looked at. I, I don't know if you can really blame anyone. I mean, the trainer's doing his job. Mitch Kenny was actually hurt. Uh, the ref was doing his job. It's just sort of the situation that we're in. But it's certainly um, a, a situation that we've seen it happen a few times um, you know, attacking team gets hugely disadvantaged by, you know, that they've earned the right to be pressuring the other team and on the attack and then it gets taken away because the, the trainer's able to hold up play. I don't like it, but um, yeah, I don't, you can't really point the finger at anyone last night for, for doing it, but it's something that I think they need to, to look at. I mean, more for player safety, obviously, when there's a serious injury. I think we talked about playing on through serious injuries. It might have been then a McDonald or someone almost that week had a, a really, really serious injury and play wasn't stopped and there was outcry. So there's there's also the flip side of the coin um, when, when you don't stop play and someone turns out to be very seriously hurt. Um, I mean, the, the high tackle, I think it was Will Smith right on the stroke of half time that copped uh, Liam Martin around the chest and maybe grazed his chin. You know, that two points ended up being pretty decisive. There were, you know, I think Mitch Moses was taken off the ball in a, a breakaway play late in the game. You can go through it forensically for stuff that was missed. I'm sure there was stuff that went that went both ways. It didn't really seem like the Eels got too many of the, the 50-50s, but I mean, by the same token, they scored one try fairly early in the game from a kick that took a, a wicked bounce and they had 40 or 50 play the balls in Penrith territory and couldn't find more points after that. So I think by the same token, you've got to give some credit to the, uh, the Penrith defense. 
And uh, yeah, just on some of the things you've raised there in terms of, so the NRL, the, the referees, they go through their review uh, every Monday morning. All these items will be on the ticket there. And uh, in terms of Mitch Kenny, it does sound like, unfortunately, his season's going to be over. He uh, he and Viliami kick out. They're both going to be sent for scans. They're trying to get them in today. If they can't, it'll be first thing in the morning as well. But uh, Penrith, quite pessimistic about Mitch, Mitch Kenny's ankle there. Their hopeful Viliami kickouts isn't a, isn't syndesmosis related at all because uh, very rarely do you see that turnaround in one week. But they're cautiously optimistic that he'll be right for uh, the prelim final, which is a huge, yeah, it's a huge turn for them. I thought kickout was a, a gash or a cut rather than a structural thing. Uh, so the, the gash or cut that Ivan Cleary mentioned uh, in his post-match quick. Uh, press conference was to the knee, but he's also rolled his ankle at one point. Right. Uh, but he he was uh, he wasn't able to walk it off for a hell of a lot. And uh, I believe Channel Nine, Peter Sterling was asking in commentary, "Where's Viliami Kickout? Natural when uh, you've got a game breaker and a game on the line." But yeah, Viliami's ankle kept him sidelined for those tense final minutes. There was a little bit of uh, where's Kickout. There's also a bit of where's Nathan Brown. What did you make of him sitting on the bench for the last fifty odd minutes of the game? Apparently not injured. No idea. I haven't uh, haven't had a chance to ask yet, but uh, yeah, it's quite strange, isn't it? Given yeah the status that bloke holds in that middle. Uh, obviously, Ryan Madison was brought in there to um, shake up his role as well, and I think Maddo might have effectively got Nathan Brown's minutes. But yeah, yeah, and obviously Isaiah came on through the middle there as well, and he was fantastic. But yeah, you wonder if um, Nathan Brown's leg speed there in those final 10, 15 minutes really could have made a difference, but. Yeah, it's the way it went went around, went around yeah. with uh, Brad Arthur's interchange. Some fresh legs from that sort of play. I mean, speaking of interchanges, I had the uh, interchange list open. 15 times someone went off and on the field for the, the Penrith Panthers. Um, talking about, you know, potentially looking at things in the off-season, this situation where if you get a foul play interchange, the player goes off for free and then they can come back for free at any point. We've seen it, you know, for some reason, Melbourne seemed to be the one that get pointed out for doing this, but every team does it. You know, a fullback gets hit high tackle, put on report, the fullback goes off for two seconds, fresh forward um, comes on, then the fullback comes back, you know, a couple of seconds later and a tired forward goes off. The, the double interchange for foul play uh, seemed to uh, help Penrith in terms of just keeping their energy levels up and another one they could potentially look at uh, in the off season. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, I'd like to offer a bit more, but frankly, I find it very confusing sometimes in terms of trying to keep up when, it, yeah, you're talking about double the amount of interchanges. So yeah, it, it, it is probably a question for the NRL in terms of how things you get used, but um, also a little, adding to the little bit of confusion there last night was Tavita Pengai Jr. was simply holding the wrong card uh, mm. that was picked up in commentary. And so it was a, a little bit of a slip up that created a lot more noise than normally would have in that situation. Yeah, just on um, on Mitch Kenny, it looked like a, your classic lateral sprain where the ankle rolls into it. I'm, I'll mention it because I managed to do that to myself on a walk a few weeks ago. So I'm sitting here with torn ankle ligaments and a, a moon boot on. So I, I feel his pain. I'll be uh, very impressed if he's back in the next uh, week or two because mine was about five weeks ago. Now, um, Kenny, what about for Penrith? Obviously, other than the doubts over Mitch Kenny and uh, Viliami Kikau, some, a few question marks over their attack, which hasn't quite looked as impressive um, over the past little while as it did earlier in the season they, they're coming out of a, a brutal semi-final into a very well-rested Melbourne how do you uh, rate them in terms of bouncing back 
I don't, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but I, can't, I just can't see them really troubling the storm too much. They, they were completely tired out by the Parramatta defence. So the, the Parramatta defence in that game was just relentless. They were just like a cold that the Panthers team couldn't shake. Um, and you could tell it, it drained them completely. Like end of the game, yeah, they were like, um, you know, they were happy that they won, obviously, but they were, you know, all they left it all out there on the field. And then coming into a fresh Melbourne, who are just like they're clinical, they're ruthless. It's going to be really tough for them to uh, to get up and get over them. For me, you know, I think the you know their mental grand final might have been that game on Saturday night. Um, and you know, I, you don't uh, you never dismiss a champion and all that sort of stuff. But and Melbourne's Melbourne's hard to beat at the, like at the best of times when you're at a game and everything's going for you. They're coming in fresh, and you know the Panthers are beaten and bruised, and they're missing you know, potentially missing kick out as well. It's going to be a tough ask for them. Dan, what do you make of the uh, respective coaching performances? Probably do a bit more post-mortem on the Eels because they're, they're now out for the season. Penrith we can talk about next week, but um, all the uh, the Wolves at the door of, of Brad Arthur, the way he's able to turn that team around over the past month, you know, beating Melbourne, a pretty handy elimination final performance against Newcastle and then a battle for the ages against Penrith. I, um, you know, I'd be surprised if there was too much pressure on BA over the off-season after that. Yeah, uh, the thing about Wolves, CK, they'll still make some noise. It'll still be there. But no, I think you're right. I think that did dispel, uh, especially the performances of some of the guys that have come under a lot of, like Mitch Moses, the way he's played over, especially the final series, really stood up, really looked like a halfback that can take a team to another level, which was one of the doubts around Parramatta and one of the reasons why there was so much noise around BA. Uh, 2022, I think will still be a make or break season for want of a better description, but I think it dispels the suggestion that he wouldn't get a chance to look at it there. Uh, Parramatta's re-signed their two assistant coaches, David Kidwell and the name elsewhere escapes me right now, but yeah, they're backing that structure in for at least another 12 months. And yeah, the roster is going to be the interesting one in terms of, because they've got a lot of guys coming off contracts. So how that, it feels like only yesterday we had uh, a lot of speculation around Parramatta's biggest names. That's going to be the talking point over the next, over the summer at least, as uh, yeah, a lot of those guys enter the market. And yeah, it can be a bit of a free-for-all at times. Please tell me Murata's not going anywhere. Well, there's there's the option to put it that way. As in club, there are rival clubs taking great interest in him, and so they should because he's been phenomenal. Um, I feel like he probably should have stayed at centre the entire year, to be honest. He, I'm not sure why he was moved from there. But, uh, yeah, he's, had, he's been linked to the Dragons and the Warriors. He is on contract, is the thing for Parramatta. And as far as they're concerned, I don't see them... Um, certainly not wanting to push him out as you see with some clubs and some players uh it's a case of how they can balance that roster properly and yeah ideally they keep him they keep Isaiah Papali'i who is also going to be in for a a reasonable upgrade given he's been the buyer of the year this year so yeah there's a lot of juggling to go on there but uh yeah one to watch absolutely 
scrapping up on the eels. I think it's probably another mark of BA's coaching, just the number of players that have been able to improve under him. I mean, what he's done so quickly with Isaiah Papali, he's probably down as much to the player as this the coach. But Mitch Moses' development, Wonga Blake, who's been traditionally extremely rocks or diamonds, has been very solid. You know, the emergence of, of Will Penasini, who's had BA as a coach from back in the under-12s days at uh, Rouse Hill Rams, I believe. Um, you know, some of the... You, all their big guns stood up. You know, Gutherson's been hugely consistent this year. We saw, you know, Paulo and Regan Campbell-Gillard um, near Corey, who we talked about. So many of these, you know, the important players played well, you know, through the, the finals. I think it's good signs for the Eels and, and a good rap on um, on Brad Arthur. Um, let's... Uh, Move on from the uh, the Panthers and the Eels. Obviously, Panthers uh, set up a mouthwatering clash with the Storm for next week. We'll go through to the Friday night game. Uh, the Seagulls up against the Roosters. I was very, very excited for this one. I didn't really get what I was hoping for in terms of the contest, but um, you can't uh, you know can't fault uh, Manly's uh, bounce back from what happened uh, against Melbourne the week before. Um, Dan, I'll come to you for a stat on that in a minute. But Kenny, um, just from your point of view, the uh, from you know the, the fan in the stands, the the turbo bounce back. Did we? all kind of think that was coming i think like we everyone's been saying for what, the last two months three months maybe they're like half the season the roosters are going to have to lose sometime the roosters are going to run out of puff it's all you know they're going to run out of petrol and that's exactly what happened and i don't think anybody thought that um it wouldn't happen but i was really hoping for and i think the average fan would have been as well hoping for a much much tighter contest you know like turbo versus teddy and like teddy was sold like he always is but um, it was probably all over a bit too quickly, I think. And I think, you know, as the game wore on, it became pretty clear just how low on troops the Roosters were because the, the, the amount of inexperience they had in that game. And they all they played valiantly. No one had a terrible game, that's for sure. But um, up against Manly that are coming back with something to prove, it was, it was always going to be tough. It was just a real shame that the scoreline, you know, it was a 42-6 scoreline is probably not what that game deserved. Um, but, you know, the Roosters just so thin on the ground it was it was bound to happen dan it was a uh, from the, the huge loss to melbourne a week before into a 42-6 win over the roosters that was up there for our finals turnarounds i believe uh yeah not just up there seeker it is there it is the record now uh had some some great um halftime fun trawling back through yeah 100 odd years of rugby league <laughs> to find that uh, so I'm just pulling it up now so I get it absolutely right. Uh, Did you search that stat at half time? I mean, you journos never stop. Well, some would argue we never start either, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, mate, it was looking for something just a bit because obviously, yeah, as you said, most expected turbo to bounce back, so I was looking for something a wee bit different. And so, yeah, Manly, it was a 64 point turnaround from that big loss against Melbourne. Uh, I originally had it as them be tipping out a 1951 Souths team captained by Clive Churchill, which I just loved. I thought that, yeah, you know, nice little bit of symmetry coming up against uh, the Bunnies this week. Uh, I was wrong, and I had someone, a friend, point that out that it was actually the Broncos who had done it. So still managed to tie it in with a bit of Wayne Bennett love. But, yeah, um, like the question is, and I think Kenny might have nailed it before, I think that was Manly's grand final. Unfortunately, uh, yeah, I think they might have had their run. But the one thing that came out within seconds of full time was under the radar is how they're going to try and play this. Des Hasler, very terse press conference, uh, didn't. He gave more about Souths than he did about his own team. Um, but even watching the, the post-game footage, you had Tom Trebojevic and Daly Terry Evans, Jake as well. 
really just putting a lid on any sort of celebration straight away, as in this job's not done, um, you know, don't believe the hype, which is classic Dares and classic Manly. And, yeah, I think they I think they might be done this week, though, with uh, the form of the South team, but that's how Manly's going to play it. Mm. It's, it's pretty hard nice. to go under the radar when there's only four teams left. Like, that's quite <laughs> audacious. Good, good for Dares. <laughs> He'll try, mate. He will try. <laughs> we, can, we can look at that, yeah. Made a career out of it. Um, he's been very quick to laugh off any comparisons or talk around the fact that Manly hasn't beaten any of those top teams uh, all year. He says it's not in their their heads at all. It completely laughed off any sort of uh, connection. And, and to be fair, the Roosters were in that same category of teams they hadn't beaten yet this week until uh, last week. But um, yeah, between the Storm, the Panthers and the, the Rabbitohs, um, those teams inflicted some pain on, on Manly this year. Um, Dan, the, having to beat two of those teams back-to-back in a prelim and a GF to win a comp. It it seems like a, you know, a long bow. Yeah, and I think it's a case of because, you you can protest all you want, but so much does happen around Tom Trevojevic with Manly. So much does happen around DCE there. So, the top teams, they are, they're, they're a class above defensively. And so, they're the ones where they encounter, as in, okay, we need our plan B, we need our plan C. And that's probably the difference between your Melbournes and your Penrith and your Manly and your Roosters and teams that are just that that echelon a little bit further below. The defence, yeah, when they're able to shut down absolute stars, which is something in its own right, they just don't seem to have the answer in in reply there. So that's what Manly needs to find against Souths. Uh, it's going to be quite interesting in terms of, yeah, I don't know if too many of us saw Manly, uh, sorry, the Rabbitohs being able to do such a job on Penrith as they did. Uh, but yeah, Wayne Bennett effectively flipped that team once Latrell Mitchell was out. They've gone from an incredible attacking regime to this brutal up and in defence that just, they, they left Penrith under the wheels. And so, yeah, it's incredible coaching and it's going to be yeah, one of the real facets to watch against Manly and Tom Draboyevich, the, the form player of the competition. Well, yeah, I thought it's sort of it's been said a few times, but Penrith's sort of plan A, B, and C was just to absolutely torment Blake Taff with uh, with bombs. And the kid, even though he dropped the first one, he didn't drop another one after that. And I think Penrith maybe um, overcooked that one a little bit. And the fact they weren't getting any joy there, they uh, they didn't have uh, too many options to to go around South, who, like you said, made a real statement. Um, you know, Burgess off the bench and the, the forward pack really sort of laid the uh, the platform. Um, Kenny, the Roosters, we've sort of said it all year. They've been valiant. They've been brave. They fought through this horror injury toll. Um, you know, they obviously won back-to-back comps and have been a, a threat, you know, since then. Um, do we see them sort of emerging from the ashes pretty quickly if they get, you know, Luke Keary and, and Lindsay Collins back? Obviously, you know, the Morris twins, Boyd Cordner, Jake Friend all retire, but, you know, Sam Walker, another off-season to, um, you know, to develop a little bit, potentially Walker and Keary in the halves next year. Most of their good forwards um, still around. You know, Joey Manu just turned into one of the real elite players in the NRL and, and Tedesco just, you know, formidably um, consistent at the back. Uh, Roosters, we were expecting to be a threat once again next year. Yeah, definitely. I think with, with with that team, the Roosters have got this like a Melbourne-like sort of system and culture now. Well, yeah, they've lost the Morris twins, but they've got you know they've got people in the background that they know are just going to fill those shoes. Probably not to the same standard immediately, but they'll have. They'll got, Trent Robinson's got a contingency plan for everything. He's a well a well thought out and he's a good project manager. So uh, I don't really think it's going to be. I think 
considering you call this season uh, a disappointment for the Roosters, which is still saying something about the Roosters and like how successful they are as an organization. I think um, next year they'll, they'll be better. I, you know, I don't know if they'll be, you know, in the same level as, as what we all put Penrith and Melbourne this year in terms of like, they're definitely, you know, one of the two teams to beat, um, but they'll be, you know, top five again, at least next year, I'd say. Dan, how do you post-mortem the, the Roosters season? It's been a pretty stunning uh, achievement purely from a coaching perspective, if nothing else. Oh, fantastic. And, uh, yeah, I did see a, a comparison. Uh, Fox Sports, credit where it's due, uh, they lined up the yeah, the 17 that Trent Robinson put out on the paddock versus their first choice 17 next year. And, yeah, it looks fantastic in terms of the depth they've now created. A bloke like Adam Kieran, um, mm. he's just come on in leaps and bounds and he's probably playing above a level that I, I don't think many would have seen in him. So to develop players like that and have them now coming through in your, you know, your slots 14 to 20 in your roster, yeah, they're going to be, they're not going to be away. Well, no, they haven't even dropped off really, but yeah, they're not going anywhere. They're, I only see it trending upwards as far as what Robbo and the Roosters are doing. Well, someone said if you go back to the, um, you know, the reserve grade team they put out in round one, something like eight or nine of those players were mm. playing NRL through the, the finals. That's pretty remarkable in and of itself. Kieran's probably a, a good example. He came to the club, I assume, on a, a pretty low-end deal as basically sort of a backup six more than anything, but he's played hooker. He's done well in the centres. He's really sort of broadened his, his skill set. Someone like you know, Ben Marshke, I don't think most of us had even heard of, has, has done well at you know NRL level when he's been called on as their, their hooker stops, stocks obviously uh, got decimated. Even Egan Books Butcher, I've been really impressed with um, the past few weeks. Their, their forward stock's been pretty thin and guys like him and, you know, Nafahu White and Fletcher Baker and um, all these other guys who, uh, yeah, not not well-known names, but have really sort of got a bit of experience. It creates a, a fair bit of depth in that squad. And, uh, yeah, I think Sam Walker's, you know, in terms of the experience that he's got over this year in terms of playing with different players, playing under adversity. Yeah, the kids 18 and nailing match-winning finals field goals. You can't buy that experience. And yeah, it's it's going to be even more beneficial to have a season like this where it has been tough and where he has navigated all sorts of, uh, of hurdles rather than coming into, say, a Melbourne where they, you know, won 21 straight. This is going to be huge for his development and the kid was already going to be a gun. So, yeah, it's 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 very rosy looking ahead for the Roosters. I might be embarrassing myself jumping outside my lane for a little bit, but bringing him on at the end, it's like having a, a closer in baseball who just comes on to pitch out the last couple of innings and, and keep, you know, win the, the big games when the, the clutch moments are there. He sort of sits on the bench for 70 minutes and he comes on and kicks match-winning field goals. It's a, um, you know, pretty remarkable way to even be using a talent like that but you look at the knocks that he's copped and the point is at his development it's quite a clever coaching strategy as well as being a huge rap on um, Walker just in terms of his own sort of temperament and, and his mentality yeah I don't like there's a reason the Walker family sent him down to Robbo uh, mm. yeah he, like as far as developing players it's him and Craig Bellamy and then yeah, the records are just absolutely proven as far as, uh, yeah, ha the hands that, yeah, the young kids are in. Yeah, that's one of the things I really like about Trent Robertson is that he doesn't chase short-term success or he doesn't burn potential long-term success for immediate short-term success. So 
like having Walker on or start a lot earlier might win you a couple of games now, but it's like you were saying before with Knox and all that sort of stuff, he's not going to last very long. So sort of easing him in this way, um, it's a good strategy, but it also primes him for a longer career. Should be commended. Just on the um, the the Sea Eagles, we haven't talked about as much as the uh, the Roosters. Um, talked a lot about sort of the the strategy around um, Turbo and how he's going to be handled and how well he bounced back. The the rest of the team, though, it's um, it's pretty remarkable, Kenny, what they've been able to do from you know where they were at the, the start of the year. You look at you know Josh Schuster and Hamali Olakowatu in the the back row. I thought Sean Kepi um, had probably one of his best games uh, against Manly. Dylan Walker, who was you know almost on the scrap heap as a you know a, a centre who wasn't really doing the the job as a one or a six when asked to, has found a whole new lease on life in this sort of bench lock utility role, and he's been one of their best through the latter stages as well. I find it this this type of thing quite puzzling to to ponder. So in, in Previously, um, you know, beginning of this year, I, I'd looked at Manly. They'd lost those four games by a million points or whatever. Um, that they were destined for the wooden spoon. Parachute in a healthy Tom Tomtovojevic, uh, Tom and suddenly the team becomes really good. And for a long time, I was saying, well, you know, they're just a, a mediocre team with like an excellent player in there, and that's why they're going so well. But then it, it cast my mind back, being a long-suffering Tigers fans, to you know, we had plenty of years where James Sedesco was playing, and he was arguably one of the one of the best players in the competition at that time even and the Tigers were still awful so it's not like the the, the team itself is average there's obviously something else that's happening in that team those the the, the, the um, Manly is getting value out of potentially undervalued players and I find that um, it's a really it's, it's a great skill that certain coaches have and yeah okay if, when Turbo's not playing they're probably not that great a team in terms of um, you know, preliminary finals and things like that. But it's still, you know, it's, it's paid off well for them. It's, um, you know, there's, there's something going on in Narrabeen. Mm. Well, two absolutely elite test-level players in the halves, certainly, um, and helps and plenty of skill in the, the forward pack uh, as well. Dan sort of touched on whether they played their um, their grand final against the Roosters, all the players that we've just sort of talked about. You know, how do you sort of rate their their form guide this week, their, their preparation, the, the way they've gone? As far as leading into this next clash? Or, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, I think Jake Trebojevic played fantastically. That's, mm. uh, I, th- I think that's arguably his best game of the season, which uh, for a bloke like Jake Trebojevic, you're setting the bar up very bloody high. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, I think in terms of offering around the middle is where Tom Jaboyevic really thrives. If the guys like you mentioned, Sean Kepi as well, he had a fantastic game starting. Uh, Marty Tapao was put back to the bench and Kepi really took it to the roosters in the middle. And so when, yeah, when Manly's got their front rowers, you know, really making some yardage and Jake Jaboyevic acting as that link man, but also offering a bit of running game as well. Uh, I think Jake can fall into the trap a little bit of, passing just a wee bit too often. But, yeah, we saw him, uh, the second try, I believe they set it up for, uh, it was for Kieran Foran, where yeah. Jake was Jake was riding at the line. The pass was still there, but, yeah, Roosters were all in on him because he was really taking on the line and really running. That's where Manly's at their best. And so, yeah, as much as the form guys around, Tom and Daly and the other guys, I think you've got to look at the pack. And, yeah, when a guy like Sean Kepi starts, absolutely firing that's when Manly's looking as good as ever 
Yeah, good call on Jake as well. I think he's sort of maybe dropped down the pecking order of a little bit in terms of ball playing locks with the emergence of guys like Isaiah Yo and the, the form of Cam Murray and, you know, Brandon Smith with his dual roles. But um, yeah, when he's at his best, Jake, he's he's like, he's an unfashionable player, but he's there's so much just quality about everything he does. He's got absolute lightning fast play the ball. His pass selection when he's playing well, it is great. That short ball to his brother to set up the four and try was um, was superb. So um, yeah, a huge cog in the, uh, the Manly machine heading into the, uh, the finals. Anyway, I think we've pretty much covered um, both of those games. Before we wrap it up, Kenny, you had a, uh, a shout-out? Yeah, I did. I just wanted to – I know we've been talking about finals and the season's not over anything, but I want to get your opinion on something. Is it too early to start talking about State of Origin 2022? It's never too early to start talking about State of Origin. We can start talking about 2023 if you want. <laughs> well, that's great. Well, funny you just say that because uh, Coast Fire is giving you the chance to win two golden tickets – to every Origin game in 2022. So it's a fantastic promotion. Um, everybody should go and check it out. For a chance to win, go and visit coatsgoldenticket.com. What a great prize. We'll probably have our Origin 1 predicted team lists up uh, two weeks after the uh, the grand final, knowing uh, the way that Origin <laughs> goes gangbusters on the website. That's all we've got time for in the Sunday session for the semi-final week. Dan and Kenny, thank you both so much for being here and thanks everyone for listening. Uh, one more Sunday session to go. We're back this time next week to wrap up the prelims. We'll speak to you then. Thanks.